my new favourite Prime Minister. I think I <laughs> Having just said that he was probably the bigger racist of all of them, yeah. you followed that up with, and he's, he's, my he's probably my favourite. Yeah, I can't. That's probably not the thing the listeners <laughs> wanted to hear. <laughs> yeah, I usually gotta, I gotta wait like 10 minutes before I bring up who my favourite is. Oh, no, I mentioned racism and then favourites comes like 20 minutes later. I love that you're just kind of building on that concept of like the far right becoming the far right in Australia. <laughs> yeah. well, I'm also building on the fact that I think I mentioned every week that this the, the Prime Minister we're talking about is my favourite. It's, it's pretty true. Yeah. 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 Alright, <laughs> I see what you did there. Although, Joe, Cook and Fisher were a bit of a, a, bit of a bore fest. I think that's where we lost our luster because two boring Prime Ministers one after the other. Like It's going to happen though. No, it did. It did happen. That probably we, we went on hiatus for a month. Yeah, <laughs> it was so bad. No, I mean, like it's probably coming up as, again. You know, probably get. Look, honestly, I, gonna, I think it's going to get better. Never heard of Billy Hughes. Well, you're going to learn a lot about him because he's a very interesting man, patriot through and through. Patriot. Hence the racism. Yeah, um, he was a little man, very short. Um, he was deaf as well, quite deaf. You can't say very short and not say it. You know, you're not, don't worry about alienating the people listening. Oh, he's yeah. You want to know his height? Exactly. I think for for the record, both of us are what? You're six foot? He was uh, five foot six. So one uh, six Yeah, that's pretty short. Meters. Pretty short. Yeah, pretty short. But he's called a little digger. All the, all the um, Anzacs called him little digger. Oh. They, loved, they loved him. They really adored him. Uh, he's a great speaker. Um, yeah, he had he definitely had little man syndrome though. Um, and he was one of those guys who, who um, he was really kind of handsome in his younger days but got so ugly in his older age like just because he's so young he's little and he's and he's bald and he's deaf and he's got like kind of turned to like a gargoyle <laughs> wow <laughs> older age yeah wow. but he lent into it um but he he didn't it didn't stop him from he didn't he had so much confidence like he would stand because he was on the world stage finally he's putting australia on the map that's what i mean i mean it's a bit opportunistic to go you know from a world war you know this is an opportunity to put australia on the map it was probably the best thing that we ever done. Yeah. Ironically, <laughs> it did cost us a lot, a few thousand. <laughs> yeah. Men, but uh, we're on the map now, so that's yeah, a yeah, it's a small price to pay. That's right. <laughs> According to Billy Hughes, not me. <laughs> but no, he wouldn't say that. But like in retrospect, it, that's kind of how it turned out because yeah. like identities are all wrapped up in it, even today. Well, that's the thing. I mean, they always talk about that, right? Like that's that's where Australian identity was forged. Absolutely. But, I mean, it's just interesting the way you put it, that he used that opportunity. He did, because like he, because when the war broke out, Fisher was still in power. And it no, was like a year, yet. he was in for a year and he's exhausted. He already served three terms, like he would already been Prime Minister three times. So yeah. he, he was done by then and Billy was at his heels. He wanted a job so bad. Um, but we won't go, we won't go too far um, down the track until I you know, kind of give you we have a bio. Okay. But it's, it's get, it's get, let's, you know, Stick ease into it. it. Yeah. Well, I think we've got a structure. Um, you know, so you remember last time we talked about Joe Cook, how he flip-flopped all over the place. He, he was originally yeah. Labour and then came co- coalition um, and his views changed over a certain period of time. Billy Hughes is far worse. Oh, Billy wow. Hughes, yeah. So, in throughout his career... Um, let me, and this this is uh this was verbatim that I found like I didn't come up with this myself but someone, um, basically he flip flopped so much that he re- he represented six political parties throughout his life, 
He was leading. He led five of those parties. Holy shit! He outlasted four, and he was booted from three. Holy! That's <laughs> like I think that sums up the the power and the the mystique of this guy already, right? Like, what's he about? Like, what's he doing? Like, well, he doesn't even know. No, he doesn't. But no, well, actually, apart like unlike Joe Cook, who probably did it for um, loyalty reasons or very opportunistic reasons. Um, Billy was really kind of down the hill for one particular reason. It was really conscription. Mm -hmm. And it was probably his biggest failure. Like he really wanted conscription and it never happened. Like no one wanted it. And he fought so hard that it cost him two political parties, being leader of two political parties. Well, we did get conscription at a certain point. No, we never got... In Australian history, didn't we? No. Not in Vietnam? No. It was like a lottery system, I thought. And I mean, I Uh, I don't think I'm thinking about American history either. No, they they had the draft. They had the draft, yeah. Yeah, but I mean... I don't think we did. I think there was a lottery system. And it was like, if you... No, I don't think so. We'll get there. We'll get there. 70s. Because we'd have to change the constitution. That's what they wanted to do. Literally the constitution. Oh, yeah. it's like, it's outlined to say... They had to have a referendum, and they had two referendums, and they both failed. There you go. Um, but, so, yeah, so, Billy, he was born in, born in London. Um, he um, spent some time in London as a teacher. Um, and that's probably where they think... They don't really know how he became deaf, if it was, like, a cause of something, or it's just, you know, kind of, you know, biological, whatever. Um, half deaf, full deaf. I think. Well, no, I think it's half deaf because he both, can, both, he, both he, is partial deafness. He he was that deaf where he had to wear like this ancient like turn of the century uh, hearing aid, and he had to wear it. it weighed like five pounds, and he had to wear it around his neck. And it was like this black black box, and it like connected to like a little hearing aid in his ear. Jesus. <laughs> he had to carry it around, and he would use it to his benefit. Like if he didn't like what some people were saying in Parliament, he would just turn it off. You just turn it down. I do wish I could do that. <laughs> yeah, right? In the office, yeah. Just like... Just oh like um, he So he migrated to Australia um, roughly around... Well, actually, they don't really know. They, they have no, they, we don't really know why he came to Australia. There's a lot of um, his early history we just don't know about, either because he lied about it or he, like, embellished it a little bit. I can love that, too. Um... Oh, sorry, yeah, in October 1884, he uh, embarked for Queensland from London, and he worked as uh, uh, many things. He roved, he basically, his, his early life was like a montage, like a movie montage of like, just, you know, like, uh, those like, um, biography movies and the, 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 like the first half of the movies, like just some guy, just the character going through life and just doing the hard yards, working in a mill, you yeah. know, working in like a lumber yard or yeah. whatever. That's how I imagine him doing because he did all these things. He was a fruit picker, tally clerk. He was a navvy. He was a blacksmith. He was a what? A navvy, a, navvy, a navigator. Uh, um, why did you say navvy? That's what it has here. Oh, right. And I was like, is that... Because I thought, you know, you know in the nautical terms. I don't think that's ever a term. Of that's what they said. It's a navvy. I've heard a nav. N-A-V-V-Y. I thought you were about to say at the N A V Y, and I'm like, it's Navy. That's it. <laughs> you don't know how to read. Driver and sales assistant. But yeah, as I said. Jesus, um, all the most Australian jobs minus Navi, I don't know. And he traveled all over. He wanted to see the country. So he, he, 
kind of arrived in Queensland, but moved all the way down to like, he explored a lot of Queensland, but as far as like Orange and New South Wales, he, he, oh. he traveled. Um, so yeah, he, he had this kind of mysterious early, early days. Um, yeah, so I mentioned the hearing loss and he was also one of these guys who like was just always weak. Like he had a naturally weak constitution. Like couldn't have like a big, any big meals. <laughs> he was frequently tired. He would just work himself to the bone and just like rest for a few months and then just go back to like being really, 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 really um, busy and uh, you know, eccentric and just going full ball, right? Yeah. Pedal to the metal. And then, yeah, and then just go back to being a nervous wreck again. And I think they had, um, he had a lot of phobias, I think. That's what they were kind of discovering. He was kind of diagnosed. They can call your favourite prime minister. Yeah, but... He's got all these goddamn ailments. Hey, with the, you got to have that light and dark side to, like, really balance them out and make them well-worn account. We'll get to it, because he was a great speaker. Okay. He would pack houses. Um, Everyone wanted to hear him speak. He was uh, really talented. Um, so yeah, often worked himself to the bone. Um, so it was probably around like the, uh, the 1890s, late eighties. Um, he started getting involved in local labor leagues. Um, you know, he had a natural talent for speaking kind of, he kind of just kind of moved into that space. Um, yeah, so he was involved in a lot of union socialist leagues, um, and he was quickly elected um, to the New South Wales Legislative Assembly in 1894 as a Labour Party candidate for Lang in Sydney. So he kind of settled in Sydney yep. at this stage. Um, and so, yeah, over the next six years, he, he got this reputation as being a very very clever political strategist and very persuasive debater. Um, he was very witty. He had sharp speeches. And, yeah, as I said, he could just pack a house. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he had some chops. He's got some. He's got something going for him. Apparently, he's a little guy, but no one cares. That's you know, that's no, just him. No one cares. Well, I did get it. He got elected, right? Maybe like one, like five foot six is probably isn't that bad back in that day, right? I don't know. No, it's not how it works. Like it's like on the in the order of hundreds of thousands, uh, not hundreds of thousands, but thousands of years, we've increased in height, but not by like a foot. Per thousand, you know what I mean? Like he he's short for his time and our time. <laughs> these are all fat, little, barely. You know, they, they, these are all like guys from England, right? Like, yeah. they're all like we haven't got all the Swedish. And... We haven't got like the Swedish and Nordic influences yet, like coming in. All the true. other, you know, beefing up the boys, getting them all taller and stuff. You know, well, yeah, getting all the blonde, all the girls blonde. You know, like that. That influence hasn't it's kind true, of. Right. Yeah. All really well, the Germans haven't come yet. We've just got boring old Brits. We've just got the Brits and the Scots and the Irish. Speaking of which, I had a question. Would we love? I would love to see a breakdown of how many of the prime ministers up to this point have been born in Australia, if any. Well, good question. Because I know that there have been a couple that have come from England. So Joe, Joe Joseph Cook was. Australia? Not a question for now. On notice, you're oh, on notice. That's a question. Yeah. Bring me that information. I think Joseph Cook so far was the only one. Okay. Maybe Reed actually as well. It's really interesting because then because because oh no not Reed no no I can't remember because you would not you would not vote for a person like I say you uh, couldn't run for a 
uh, prime minister. Yeah. You, no one would vote for them if they were like from England. Well, that's why I don't feel it's so I weird mean, with the, that dual citizenship bullshit that yeah. happened like a few years ago. But I mean, like the pool that you would be drawing from in Australia in the early 1900s is fairly small if you exclude everyone, if you only include Australian born citizens. Oh, yeah. Actually, quick question. Does our constitution say anything about being a certain age to be prime minister? Because I found mm. out that the, the US yeah, you have you to, to be, be 35. You have to be over, yeah. Over 35? I know it's over 30-something, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. That they I don't think there they... is. I don't think there is an age limit. Because some of these guys are probably late 40s. Some of them... I think Watson was pretty young. Yeah, okay. I don't think there is. No, we're going to find out who the youngest Prime Minister was. Another little side thing. Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah. yeah. Um, Billy Hughes, longest serving politician still to this day. Holy shit. Served 50 years. 50? Yeah. Oh my God. As a, as a poly, not as a Prime Minister. Yeah, yeah, of as course. A, yeah. Well, That'd be pretty, 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 pretty 50 cool. As Prime Minister, I think I know <laughs> that's that. That's right. That would have, he, would have, he would have a few things around about him, right? Like he'd have a yeah. suburb named after him. Or three suburbs. <laughs> Cam, I'm from the other. I'm Hughes too. <laughs> Sydney, Sydney's re- renamed Hughes. Um, half his clan owns Canberra, or like half his. Own. <laughs> he'd be such a juggernaut. Yeah, still, and That's it's um, and I think the the next longest serving is like forty years, like or thirty eight years or something. It'll like that. never be broken ever because people don't get into politics that young anymore. Yeah, that's right. And and. It's like it's just not going to be a thing because people change careers as well, yeah. and the ability to retain your seat or a seat for yeah. fifty years is unheard. Of. Fifty-one years, seven months, one day. That's nuts. Yeah. Did he die? He died, and he had a big parade. He had a big, like I think yeah. it was like over half a million people came to see. I can imagine. Him. You know, it's so funny. I've never heard of him. I think it's just way. It's just it's just that era that was just way too early and. I think he didn't do it when you learn about World War One history in school. It's not going to be about him. It's, it's going to be by the Anzacs, right? Like, yeah, not in a bad way. Of course, it's should be, but you know, focused on. But yeah, it's interesting that they don't really go into that. Yeah, and even though he, if it wouldn't have been, if it wasn't for him, they, it would have been very different. I mean, not not saying that we wouldn't have had sent troops, but how many troops or what's the you know, he was very committed to it, obviously, because he wanted conscription. And he got him booted a number of times over it. So he was very passionate about this this issue in particular. Um, so, yeah, let's uh, going back, big Labour dude, um, big advocate for Federation. Um, once he saw that they could create, like, a strong central government that was kind of, you know, Labour-led. Um, and he really thought that was a good idea. Um, so he got he got on the the Federation bandwagon, and he was uh, yeah elected pretty 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 easily um, because he's quite well known at this stage. Um, I won't go too much into like early uh, those early days between when he got elected. In, federally to when he got Prime Minister yeah because yeah. it's like 15 years he'd serve in multiple ministries so he he was uh, in Watson's ministry um, served he qualified the bar in 1903 so like two years after 
becoming a federal minister, became a lawyer. Because um, oh, he had time to study. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and then in Fisher's government, he was like Fisher's right-hand man in that as well. So right. he was... Um, in Watson's party, he was like ex- Minister for External Affairs, which is like pretty pretty high up. Yeah. And then, yeah, for Fisher, he was Attorney General um, and kind of like Fisher's Chief Lieutenant. Um, and so, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, Fisher, by 1915, it was probably roughly a year the war had been going on. He's like, no, I'm done. I'm tapping out. I can't do it anymore. So just funny. just uh, resigned. And so Hughes was like, yeah, nice. This is what I want. So he, he kind of slotted in. And so from from that point on, it was like my, uh, October, yeah, October 1915. Uh, and then up until June 1916, um, he was he was a minister. You know what the first thing he did when he became prime minister? What, 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 what would you think? What would you do if you became prime minister? What was the first thing you would What's do? What's happening in June 1916? World War One is still a full swing. Yeah. Things aren't going well. What would be the first thing that I would do? Send troops to Turkey. <laughs> you know what he did? He wrote a bestseller novel. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. He wrote... That's not on the list of things for me to do, no. So he was mostly in Britain from most of... Oh, well, for a large part of 1916, from March to June, he was in Britain. and he was As the Prime Minister? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my just, God. Just... Roaming, roaming around, you know. But I feel like the Spooky. standards or the like the expectations of prime ministers back then were completely different. I know. Like, ScoMo went to Hawaii during a fire. Yeah. And he got. So there's nothing he could it. do. It's yeah. like, and then when he came back, everyone was like, "Fuck off." Yeah, which I mean, look, still think that's not a, it. Was that's a, not great. It wasn't a, it, you could see from a mile away that was a bad political move. Yeah. I, I, can't, oh, I can't wait to get Scott that. Morrison home. Oh, that'd be interesting to do. Oh man, I really I when when I came up with that idea last time of having a prime minister come on our podcast. You want him? Oh, dude, I don't know, but I <laughs> I got so excited about that 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 concept because it's just like yeah, me too. Being able to pick the brain of a prime minister in general just is is crazy to me. I'd actually sit down and, and actually think about the questions I was going to ask. Yeah, because like I'd go to. no one asks. Prime ministers about other prime ministers. Yeah, you don't really hear unless like like what prime talking... minister would you did you want to yeah. emulate when you went into office? We'll get there. That's like that'll be our aim. We'll get we'll get one. Who can we get? Well, there's not many. Like I mean, there's a few alive. We can get Gillard. Come on, we can get Gillard. What's she doing? She's what's her fee? We, we, we... <laughs> no, what's her fee? Um, I mean, she's probably just picking the kids up from soccer practice. And... I think she has kids. So yeah, World War One. Um, he he's in it. He's on it, uh, and he and he gets straight into work by spruiking and and doing speeches and selling books. And he has many interviews with politicians and generals and public servants, Australia and England and all around in France. Um, and um, and he also he wanted to be on the front lines. He wanted to see what they were doing. It's like he he really wanted to know firsthand what the men were doing. Um, and also he wanted to know how best he can like lend Australia's voice into the conversation. And he did it really well to the point where he was annoying uh, like the American president at the time, Woodrow Wilson, during like post-war conferences and things like that. Just wouldn't let him up. Like it would, would, wouldn't let him dictate terms because America even back then had so much influence because they had really come in and saved the day. <laughs> they really did. So, so they were kind of holding everyone's feet to the fire and really 
dictating terms about what Germany was going to do after the war. And Billy was like, nah, mate, you got to go harder. Like, who are you? I'll get to that bit, but he has a great line uh, that Woodrow, against Woodrow, but uh, I don't want to step on that just yet. I'll get to it in a sec. But I want to talk about, because he technically had six, no, he technically had five ministries throughout his prime ministerships. So he had five, yeah. Five separate instances of... But they're all consecutive. So he had five terms. Really? Yeah, so I'll get to them one by one. Because it it is an interesting flow. So throughout that time, he's getting booted. And he's forming his own parties. He's getting booted. He's forming his own parties. He's doing all this, like, he's going... From party to party. Wait, did you say he had five consecutive... Terms. Like, five consecutive ministries that he had to form, either through an election or he was booted and made leader of another party. Oh, not, so, not, not become prime minister five separate times. Yeah, so he's prime minister five for five terms. In a in row, a, though. In a row, yeah. But how can you do that if you get kicked out and you've got to go become a leader? I'll tell you. <laughs> it's really interesting. Okay. Okay, so, that, so he wrote the books and then so he's, he's doing his thing. So when he came, he comes back to Australia um, at the end, like around uh, probably probably early, no, probably after June, so like June, July, nineteen sixteen. And so he's come back and he's like, "We need to do more." And unfortunately, while he was gone, Australia's becoming more divided about conscription. We just don't really necessarily see the value in it, and other parts of the community do, and some others don't. At the time, Labor, for the most part, were against it. Um, and it's a whole bunch of reasons why, but most of Labor were Roman Catholics and trade unionists and basically like industrial socialists. Like they, they were really, because conscription was such a imperialistic um, English kind of idea and they were quite... Irish Catholic Roman, you know, Roman Irish Catholics, right? And mm. weren't really, didn't really gel with the English kind of doctrines and English ideas about what they should do during war. They were completely against it. But Billy wasn't like that. He had his own ideas. He didn't really believe in that ideology. He really wanted to um, bring in conscription because he thought that was the best thing to do. And some of the other people in his, in labor also felt the same way. A lot of older dudes as well, a lot of older men really thought that conscription was the way to go. Yeah. Um, so he announces that he's going to do a referendum. Um, and then two-thirds majority's party said, no, nah, we don't want that. Um, you're going to have to leave. <laughs> Basically, you're going to have to go. And he was the leader of the... He's like prime minister. He's like, yeah. But... Interesting. It kind of it kind of makes sense. Like, you know, he, he he's the leader of a bunch of constituents, right? As a as an MP. Yeah. Because that's what he, what's it? You know, that's the kind of question about what happens to a, a prime minister's um, electorate when they become prime minister. Because I don't believe that they would have enough time to focus on their electorate. But mm. like, separate question. But if he's not if he's not representing the majority, which is what you're elected on, right? The majority. I well, it's a majority of his party, so the opposition love it, and six of his own members, six other Labour members um, were for it. Right. So he knew there was something there. He knew that this was, and he knew people 
out and about were Australians. Well, some Australians that you were talking to were, were for it as well. But it wasn't the case. It was defeated. It was very narrow, though. Um, but it was enough for the Labour caucus to go, look, you, you are representing uh, something that we don't fundamentally agree with. You just, oh. you just need to go. So, and he famously said, he was so pissed. He was like, famously said, I did not leave the Labour Party. The party left me. Love it. It's so, it's probably like, it's so bitter. And that would be like cliche now. Yeah. But then I think it would have been like a nice, fresh, hard-hitting statement. Yeah, like, like back a, then, right? Yeah. Yeah. You'd read that in a newspaper, you'd be like... Because it's like the... Billy fucking Hughes. Because he wants that soundbite. Like, like, this is like when that when the era of the soundbite is kind of coming, evolving. Like yeah. Like, that's, that's probably when... And, that, and today, to this day, like, we've, we've put that... We've, that's there for us to read. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he and 23, 23 other supporters resigned and they formed their own party called the National Labour Party. Yeah. So this is technically his second ministry. So he's booted. So this is now his second term as prime minister. But he, get, he got kicked out of the party that he was the prime minister and the leader of. Yeah. Into another party and retained his... Yeah, well, there's not... not, not yeah, so he thought he could. He's like, oh, I got the numbers. He's like, oh, it's going to be good. He didn't get as many people, I think, from his own party joining. Yeah. And um, he really just misread all those signs. Um, so he was kind of forced to merge with the opposition. Um, and so he... And there's another election coming up, so he really had to move it. Or he's just going to lose. So he formed up with the opposition... Um, and create uh, like a kind of win the war party, basically. Yeah. Just trying to galvanize everybody. Um, so yeah. Uh, so we come to his third ministry. Uh, the, this is in nineteen seventeen. He was recommissioned as prime minister, heading a minority government supported by the opposition, so the liberals, and then the two parties merged. To, to make the Nationalist Party of Australia. Yeah. And then they won the 1917 election. Right. So, yeah. So it's not unbroken. Someone else was Prime Minister in between them? No, no, no. He was still Prime Minister. He's still leader. He, he just had the support of opposition. <laughs> and then, yeah, he came in. Wait, um, that's and then so merged. weird. Yeah. That's like, uh, I don't know, who, who, what's his name? Paul Rudd getting kicked out. Right, of the, of the, he got kicked out of the prime ministership, prime, prime ministership of the Labour Party. Yeah. And then Liberals been like, we like you enough that for some reason our support will keep you yeah, in, cause the, they're in all the job. For, yeah, because they were all for... I don't know, he must have just talked them into because they were all for conscription. That's probably the... When you have like such a big event happening and everyone's like, just wants to... Yeah, like when, when, when you have such a big event like World War I happening, you probably have a like real tunnel vision. So when the opposition is like, oh, they want conscription, you yeah, just bring them on. Oh, yeah, yeah, like let's get them in. Yeah. Because they'll be a great tool, an asset for what we want to get done, right? And he was already, he already had momentum, so they're probably like, yeah, just let him be leader. And then, yeah. Yeah, and we're like all it's one best party. chance to get elected yeah. as a party. Because they, they see extra, like fresh meat, like, yeah, get them all in. We want the numbers. We're all yeah. going to form. Uh, like an ideological party like Labour so yeah. we're all going to be the same as Labour 
we're just going to be on the other side of it. It's like, yeah, you can be a leader, fine, all right. Okay, um, kind of makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. It he, would never happen now, so I'm sort of... And I think that. it's also to go... I mean, Joseph Cook was still the leader of the Liberal Party. I just don't think he could he could stand up to Billy. He was such a force, man. Like, he just couldn't... They couldn't compete with him. Like, he couldn't... And he already, he already been minister for so long and, and made connections in England, right? Yeah. And had FaceTime with troops. Like, he's, 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 he's doing all the right things. Yeah. So... Even the like another party cedes power to you from complete, and they and they don't trust him either because he's Labour. Like he came up Labour. He's been Labour for like yeah. He's probably said some mean twenty years in Question Time or whatever. Yeah, over twenty years he's been Labour. Yeah, in New South Wales as well. Like just throughout his whole career, and then one day he just like over one issue, you just drop everything and go on the other side, and he take take six other guys with you. So yeah, um, so like if they offered the, you the prime ministership tomorrow, but you had to be a part of the like I don't know, fuck yeah, Paul and Hanson's party. I think I would do it. You would do it, even though you because you like because a part of you, and I think this is what Billy's going through. He's like, I, I'm I'm the insider. Like I'm, I don't care about po- playing politics. No, I was like, I don't care about playing party politics. Like I'm just me. Like say what you will about my. I'm just playing a game to get to where I want to get, right? Yeah. The goal is to run the country. Yeah. And that's all. Like, yeah, anyway. So this is the timeline. So he was Prime Minister after Fisher, and then uh, he was late, was Prime Minister, so this is his first Prime Minister. He was Prime Minister for about a year, because conscription failed, booted. So yeah. So second ministry, he's leader of the National Labour Party. Couldn't get the numbers, so he formed... The Nationalist Nationalists Party. Yep. So this is his third ministry, the winning election. So now he's in his third ministry, right? So he goes for another year as, as PM, um, as the leader of the Nationalist Party. His Wikipedia is all over the place, that bad. Yeah, oh, man, I... It's it, <laughs> an Excel spreadsheet and stuff like that. Like, the dude, red string. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, because Wikipedia did not help out in this. Um... So yeah, so he's in his third ministry after a year. He's like, oh, let's do, let's let's try conscription again. Let's I think I think enough times passed that we can do this again. Like I'm not so like shocked. It's not even right. No, but it's, not, it's not even. It's probably not even eighteen months. So nineteen seventeen, uh, they blowed Labour out of the water in the election. So I think he's riding high. He's like, okay, people want obviously want me. They probably want my ideas. So let's do another referendum. Um, again, it, it, it just dies in the arse. Yeah. It just dies. Um, so, so that took place on the 20th of December, 1917. Um, and uh, about in, by January, so not even like a couple weeks later, the, the nationalists are like, we've got to boot you. Like, this is the second time. You failed this. We can't have you as leader anymore. So he resigns as prime minister after a vote of no confidence after the, after the referendum. But this is where it gets interesting. Because there's no one else to lead, there's no alternative leaders that want to take a job. No one wants to be a wartime prime minister. They've seen Fisher do it, and they've seen Billy, who's a gun. I just don't think they want the pressure. That's what I'm, that's what I'm getting. No one, yeah. They don't say that, but I'm, that's what I'm getting. 
just, just don't want to do it. There's something the different between being yeah. It would be so you got to run a country and you got to field all the war stuff. Yeah, you got to you got to go to England like for most of the year, like most of your time. You got to yeah. be on boats and shit. Yeah, yeah, you don't get paid anymore. Yeah, <laughs> like um. So yeah, he. So after that, the governor general's like, all right, Bill, you're back in. There's no, no I just forced him in. He resigned. Yeah, it was immediately recommissioned. Immediately recommissioned. Immediately. It's pretty much like didn't accept his resignation. Pretty much. That's so funny. Uh, so he Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he he's there until um, the, I think it was, yeah, 1920. So 1920 is another election. Yeah. Um, he wins comfortably. But this is the start of his like slow decline in politics. Like he's been there for quite some time now. His slow decline. Yeah. Wait, so he's got 30 years left. Yeah. And I have skipped some of the um, the end of the war. I'll come back to the end of the war. But I just want to, fi- I just want to fi- finish up his like reign. Like some, like he, he, he did well. Um, so after 1920, his position was kind of declining. Um, many people in survey parts thought he was still too liberal, still too much of a labor guy. Um, and by 1922, he was finally defeated at the election. Uh, not because they lost, because he, he could form a minority government. He had enough seats to, to form government with other two other parties. Yeah. But in their negotiations, they forced him to resign. As as leader, really, uh, yeah. Um, so the incumbent, so they yeah they lost their majority, but they could form a minority government with what was at the time the Country Party, um, and there was another oh and there's uh, another another guy like another independent guy, but he needed their support, and so yeah, uh, the price for joining was was his resignation. Far out. Yeah, so after roughly, what, 20 to what, uh, it's like eight, six, seven years as, as Prime Minister consecutively. Yeah. Did a pretty good job. He, I mean, downs. definitely the longest lasting Prime Minister up to that point. Yeah. I mean, he was Prime Minister for a third of all of the <laughs> time yeah. we've had Prime Ministers. Yeah. That's crazy. He, um, but it was really World War One that really shined him, and he's, he, his performance in the world stage because like this is the, like the Treaty of Versailles was the first Australia's first international treaty it was the first thing we ever signed <laughs> um, and uh, it was the first yeah he was I think he was in England and Europe for like 16 months during like the, after the war oh, so wow. he's still Prime Minister but like he was just away like just just pass notes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is where I want to talk he about... Was, he was Prime Minister by mail. <laughs> <laughs> mail order. Ma- mail order, order Prime, Prime Minister. Because <clears throat> even um, Joseph Cook was with him, um, helping him out um, at the time as well. So I don't know who was governing here. I, I have no idea. Some loser. No, like some, lost its history. Some, some basic bitch. <laughs> some, yeah. um, but I want to talk about the, um, the Imperial War Cabinet where... He got oh, into heat yeah. arguments with uh, Woodrow Wilson, who was a U- uh, U.S. president at the time. So Hughes warned that um, 
they weren't careful, we should find ourselves dragged quite unnecessarily behind the wheels of President Wilson's chariot. And as I said before, I think Wilson was just like, just plowing through people, like just using his influence and power to make decisions that some people weren't comfortable with. Yeah. Throwing his weight around. Yeah. He's a big man on campus. And this is what uh, Hugh said, um, to dictate to us how the world was to be governed, if saving, if the saving of civilization had depended on the United States, it would have been in tears and chains today. Yeah. Ooh. I know, right? Um, and, and this is when they were forming the League of Nations, who was like a precursor to the United Nations. And it yeah. was all kind of Woodrow Wilson. It was kind of really formed by the US. It was kind of their idea. Um, but again, Hughes didn't think it was a solid idea. The League of Nations is what he said, is what Hughes said. The League of Nations was to him what a toy was to a child. He would not be happy until he got it. So he really and went Speaking at, of, at, of Wilson. Wilson. Yeah, this is all on Wilson. That's so funny. And this is the best one. So at the Paris Peace Conference, Hughes clashed with Wilson com- re- repeatedly, right? And like, he probably did the whole thing. Was like when he's talking, he's like, oh, I'm just going to turn this shit down. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to hear it. But when he really really wanted to hear it, um, there, was, there was one point in the meeting um, where Wilson reminded him that, um, you know, he... Australia, as a Prime Minister of Australia, he only spoke for a few million people. You know, in America at that time, was like probably 100 million people. Like, a lot of people lived there. And, you know, Australia was like pitiful compared to that. But then Hughes did not like that. Imagine like hearing that. It's like, fuck off, man. Pisses me off. Yeah, right? I, so what, this is what Hughes said. He's like, I speak for 60,000 dead. How many do you speak of? And I don't know, I think US would have been had like 10,000, maybe 5,000 dead. Yeah, because like they probably came in later. They came in really late, like yeah. 1918. So they didn't have nearly as many, but like, what what a baller. Just like, That's so good, man. To, br- yeah. to ruin your relationship with a superpower. Well, yeah, I mean, yes. Yeah, it's still Potentially. probably it. But that's the thing. It's, no, I wouldn't even say it's short-sighted because it worked out fine in the end. It's not like we had terrible relations because the relationships only really last... As long as the prime ministers or the other leaders do, probably at this time it's more more of that case. I, I think, you know, because like you, you know, if you've got a terrible prime minister, like say Trump, he had bad relationships with other world leaders. That got completely wiped away when Biden came in, right? You reckon? I think so. I think so because they know that he, you know, they know that they're two different people and they're going to run their country two different ways. Like it's not the same thing, and you kind of yeah. hope that that person's going to be more amenable to your solutions. So anyway, I think that's really interesting. And yeah, I would have. That would have been. That's actually a point in history I would love to travel to. That just moment, just that. to see that. Just you know, if I had a couple of spare trips, yeah, you know, throughout to go anywhere in history, I'd go to that that meeting and see what that what was said there. That'd be really interesting. And he's like probably shorter than everybody in the room. He's probably a little bit older and like decrepit looking, ugly looking, and deaf. Like yeah, he's got all these things not going for him as a, as a leader of a you know, fledging nation who wants to, like, make their voice heard. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he did a good job. I really did. Although, yeah, the, the racism thing I want to kind of touch on a little bit, just to, on the flip side of that. <laughs> the only, the, the, I don't think he was a, a bigger racist than, than any of the others, but when, because he was around, he helped found Canberra. So, 1913, he was around when that, he wasn't PM then, but still pretty influential and, and uh, everyone knew who he was 
Um, but I want to read this quote because I thought it was interesting. Um, it was so brutal what he said, but so kind of, kind of, um, not not foreshadowing, but like it was kind of. It, there's a there's a message there for not only white people but indigenous people as well. And so what he said, he's like, we are destined to have our own way from the beginning, and killed everyone else to get it. <laughs> the first historic event in history of the Commonwealth we are engaged is today is without the slightest trace of that race we have banished from the face of the earth. But he warned, this was Hughes warned, we must not be too proud unless we should, too, in time, disappear. Wow. That's such a complex statement. But yeah. it's so interesting. I mean, that's probably the one everyone pulls. Yeah. If they read the records now, it's like, uh, like he probably says some well, really great shit. I don't fucking know anything about him, right? That's probably why. Yeah, well, I mean, there's probably some truth to that. Yeah, for sure. No, no one wants good. to talk about it because they're... Wanna... Because they were, like... We talk about the Anzacs. We don't talk about the racist Anzacs. You know what I mean? We talk about, like, you know, there was a racist Anzac. If we found out tomorrow that all the Anzacs were super racist and they pulled together this big racist party, right? Well, the thing. Anzacs probably weren't very flattering to the Turks. Like, like right? Like... No, they've, they've probably hated them. That's what I find really interesting, the dichotomy of, in, in those wars. Like, Australians probably never seen a Turkish person in their life, right? At, and, at that stage, yeah. Yeah, and... But they had... Like, they, we were always taught that, like, the enemies had so much respect for each other, especially in those wars. Like, there was a lot of uh, chivalry and it was all about, you know... You know, don't... Even though they would shoot each other from like, sniping, like each other popping heads off from like yeah. fucking twenty yards away, like two hundred yards away. I think it's I think it's cherry picking a couple of like yeah, like oh it was Christmas Eve and they, yeah, they really shared. Like, it's like the one moment that they they were good. The yeah. rest of them were like brutal. Yeah, trench warfare, man, shotgunning like just dudes and fucking stomach and just yeah, like must improvise improvise like. Nails with boards in it, like, I'm sorry, boards with nails in them, like it's that's what you're going to war with, like <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's an accurate statement. Look, having never been to war, maybe we'll yeah. Comment. That's, uh, I mean, that's pretty much. It. I, I mean, I got a few other things, but I mean, he, he, at the age of ninety, he, one month and three days, Hughes is the oldest person ever to have become a member of the Australian Parliament as well. So he's also the oldest. Ninety. Yeah. Holy shit. I did see that Joe Biden, someone was saying, Joe's, Joe, Joe's not going to win the next election. And then I didn't realise how fucking old he was because they were talking about mm-hmm. if he did win, he'd be like 86 by the end of it. I'm like, 86? That's a high number. That's a, it's a that's big boy number. They should have a cap. They should definitely they have, should a have a cap. Yeah, they should have a... I think they should remove the minimum because if you're not... If there are people aren't going to vote for them, don't vote for them, right? Yeah. But definitely have a cap. <laughs> so he died... He died in 1958, and yeah. I don't think I've ever heard this number. 450,000 spectators lined the streets. Not in Australia. That's, a, that's an unprecedented. Yeah. Unprecedented. Um, to see here. Yeah, to see... Where's um, he buried, does it say? Um, Macquarie Park Cemetery and crematorium. Crematorium, I can't say that word. Um, in Sydney, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um... Fucking crazy, dude. What Just, the hell did you say? Yeah. Um, 
I got you know I, I got other little things here, but I don't think they're really worth it. I think the the World War One stuff overshadows everything, so it's hard to say. Oh wait, there was another. There's another thing. There's one little thing actually. I want to end it on. It's a nice little note. Nice little tidbit. How many Aboriginals did he kill? Is that what you were gonna say? <laughs> no, I'm making you guess. <laughs> At least forty. It's a high number. Yeah, it's <laughs> Big boy numbers. Yeah. It is about those numbers. <laughs> 60,000 dead Australians, 40 dead. Oh, man, Australians. that's a great joke. That's a little fucking lame fact in comparison. No, but like when he, he married his wife, 1911, uh, and they went for a long drive for their honeymoon. <laughs> Sorry, and he, so funny. He didn't have a lot of time um, because, so they just drove. They just drove. I just saw the country. Uh, but they crashed the car where. The Sydney Melbourne Road crosses the Sydney Sydney Melbourne Railway north of Warbury. Yeah. Um, so, uh, in in light of that event, they named the level crossing there after him, and then they oh. later they later replaced it with a bridge, and they just called it the, the Billy Hughes Bridge to this day. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. All right, we'll leave it there. All right, good now. Good now. All right, cool. Bye, guys.